welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We are going to come to a really interesting passage today. It's from Luke 13, and it's at a moment in time when Jesus was preaching at a volatile time. His surrounding was volatile, and it's important for us to remember what was happening in the story to help us understand the point of the story. And so there was great division among his people, great, great division. There were factions around Galilee vying for power, deciding who was going to overthrow Rome and who would be in power then. There were religious groups pointing fingers at each other, offering their version of the answer to the problems of the world. There was a talk of a revolt. There was unrest among everybody because even if you weren't part of any of that, you were very poor and wondered where your next meal might come from. Many people were fighting for one day at a time. There was hope in everyone for God to act. Because in those kinds of moments, that's all you can do is hope for God. We can relate to this, right? You've been feeling a little tension lately. Have you been looking to God saying, it's gonna take you? We know that when Jesus was writing, or when Jesus told this, that moment to when the gospel was written down between that time, there was a revolt, there was destruction. Rome destroyed the people that revolted and destroyed Jerusalem. And so you have this story being told about something that occurred before through the lens of something that had happened that was devastating. It's really important that we remember that context. Otherwise, we might take these passages and go really strange directions. And maybe we have. Jesus sees there's division, right? He sees the finger pointing, and he sees the unharnessed anger and the unrest, and he knows it always leads to the same place, destruction. Always, every time, eventually, it will lead to destruction. That's where it always leads. That's just how it works. You're either headed in the direction of life as God defines it, or you're headed away from life into death, destruction. There are more than two dozen wars happening today. I know we hear of one. There are many more happening. Politics. (sighs) Yeah, head shaking, sighs. All of a sudden I saw some eyebrows come together. Politics, self-righteousness, greed, thirst for power, They lead to destruction every single time. It doesn't matter what building it's taking place in or where it occurs. Amen? Jesus comes as a Messiah, the great hope of God, the salvation. He was a king, yes. He was also a prophet. And so in our passage today, we'll see a prophetic voice. He's trying to bring a new and different kingdom, a new way, directing people to life, one of peace, one of enemy love, one of compassion and mercy. If only they'd listen. If only we would listen, amen? Luke chapter 13, the whole chapter, we're gonna read the end. It focuses on the misguidance of Jerusalem in Jesus' day, okay, because it represents a lot of things. The reason for the misguidance is because People in power never mix well, ever. We just don't. The people that seem to do it the best are the ones that are always pushing power away. They don't want it. 
When given the chance to play God, many of us will take it. It's the sin of Genesis 3, the fruit to play God and judge for ourselves. It looks so delicious and good to eat many times in our lives. Amen? Jerusalem, the symbol, was the seat of God in a temple, even though God said he didn't want a temple. There it was. And kings and priests resided in Jerusalem. The problem was the people in power, they liked their power. Like us, we like what we have, and we don't want to hear talk of having to let go of things. People in power in Jerusalem, they didn't want to change for political enemies. They didn't want to change for rivals, certainly not by prophets. Many had played God through the ages and wielded life and death in the positions of kings and priests. If somebody stood up against them, they could exercise that power. Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love and compassion and forgiveness and non-judgmentalism, it's a word now, non-condemnation was coming to being through him. A new kingdom amidst other kingdoms. That kingdom was going to grow, he says in chapter 13, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. It will take over the whole garden. And he says, Jerusalem, you're like a fruitless tree. It's going to be destroyed. That's the path you're headed on. So if you're not producing good fruit, if you're not headed toward life, there's only one other option. This was a highly volatile time. Jesus walked the earth. I know sometimes we want to picture Jesus walking around, and it was just great to be around him. It was scary. Now, when the religious elite, they're struggling to recognize God in Jesus, and I don't know that we'd be any better. Jesus had healed a woman on Sabbath in this chapter, and he was scalded for doing so. Jesus is pleading for people, open your eyes and your hearts. Look past what you think you know. Look past expectation and idolized tradition. See them for what they are. Rise above the divisiveness and self-righteousness. You can turn away from that path of destruction. And then he's doing this. Some representatives of greed and power come to him because he's representing all these things. And they're coming on behalf of a sinister gospel character named Herod. And they come and say something to him and Jesus responds. So let's hear from Luke 13. At that time, some Pharisees approached Jesus and said, Go, get away from here, because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go, tell that fox, Look, I'm throwing out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will complete my work. However, it's necessary for me to travel today, tomorrow, and the next day, because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you. How often I have wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you didn't want that. Look, your house is abandoned. I tell you, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, blessings on the one who comes in the, name, in the Lord's name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What an image. A fox and a chicken. <laughs> Jesus responds by 
giving an image of a fox and a chicken. In any scenario that you see these two animals, there's only one outcome. The fox is going to devour the chicken. That's the roles they play. That's the threat. Get out of here, Jesus, or you'll be killed. Jesus, so funny. As a king, you want to be seen as a lion. That's, that's the symbol you want, right? The king of the beasts, or in our time, the eagle, the king of the air. Rome was, was an eagle. United States is an eagle. I'm not comparing them anything other than they both had eagles, these great signs, and Judah wanted to have the sign of the lion, Judea. Jesus won't even give Herod that. It says, go tell that fox. Go tell him. Everybody's eyes would have gotten really big. Just called Herod the king a fox. Not this powerful, majestic, regal symbol, but a scavenger who's skittish and eats the scraps of more powerful beings, what they leave behind. Jesus was political, by the way. This one statement makes that clear. But Jesus is told he's going to be killed, and Jesus is like, yeah, I know. Because that's what happens. When you stand up to power, when you bring a new kingdom amid other kingdoms, when you refuse to bow to anything else, even in the wilderness of your heart, enemies' only response is to stop you. And the best way to stop someone is to end them. They were trying to intimidate Jesus. Go away or you will die. And it wasn't just Herod. The Pharisees had already had some issues with Jesus. That kind of threat often works, doesn't it? When it comes to what you stand for, if it's your life or what you stand for, oftentimes it works to, th to threaten death. Jesus, in his great mercy, looks past the people bringing this message and even looks past Herod because he knows they're just trapped in this terrible system. And he looks all the way to Jerusalem and what Jerusalem's supposed to be, the great hope for the whole world, the symbol of heaven and earth re in reality together because of God's presence, the place where you go to experience what heaven is like. And that's not what it is in his day. And he laments, he cries out in anguish. It's healthy to lament at times. In his love and mercy, it's the heart of God that speaks and says, how often I've wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you didn't want that. The confused and corrupted, they don't want God's loving protection and guidance because that means they're gonna lose some stuff if they start onto the correct path. And then he offers a quote. It's kind of hidden in there. The end, when he says, when you say, blessed is the one who comes. It's from Psalm 118. This psalm, you should read it. It's 29 verses. It's beautiful. Some of the things from the psalm, it says, don't put your faith in human leaders. Put your faith in God. Alone, only. The psalm, psalmist speaks of being surrounded by enemies like a, a swarm of bees. And yet, they are singing praises of joy because they know God will always be victorious because God is life and everything else isn't. So Jesus, in essence, is quoting this whole thing by dropping a line in. What he's saying is, I'm not gonna die the way you think I'm gonna die. Oh, I will, but I'm going to live. I will declare what the Lord has done in victory through me. Yeah, the Lord disciplined me the psalmist says, but the Lord didn't hand me over to the death that counts. Open the gates of righteousness, it says, so I can come and give thanks to the Lord. 
the writer knew sin very well and still has hope. And that's the message for us today. It goes on to speak of God acting on behalf of the people, which he's doing in Jesus. Jesus ties the psalm to his own death. Go and read Psalm 118. It's beautiful. All to give the image that while a fox threatens the vulnerable chicks, the hen will shelter them beneath her wings. The hen will put herself in the way. That's our God. That's Jesus Christ. Amen? While the people of any day might be threatened with evil powers, division, greed, and we might feel pretty vulnerable, we can gather under the wings of Jesus Christ. While we face these threats today, while we play gods ourselves, while we idolize our own point of view, while we place our faith in other kingdoms, while our path may be under threat of destruction, we have a faithful God who offers protection and deliverance for us all the more out of faithfulness. We all struggle to seek refuge in God alone, don't we? We may seek refuge in God alone, but we assume that that's our way. That's, we do that. It's been asked before, can you name a conviction you have of which God doesn't agree with you? And the chances are good, no. And yet we all disagree. You see what's going on there. We've idolized our point of view. We've made it God in a way. We do this. It's okay. It's good for us to see it. So if you're there and you're struggling with that, or maybe you're on the other side and you feel the weight of all your sin and you know everything that you've done wrong and you feel hopeless and crushed, you feel alone and scared, you feel like everything is falling apart and you feel like a vulnerable chick with no protection running around, like you're being tossed in tidal waves of sin and guilt and shame and regret and a world on fire. Because the place where God's image is supposed to reside, in Jesus' day, the temple, and our day, the church, we've lost our ability to reflect heaven and earth at times. When we get caught up in splits and divisions and being right and wrong, we do this. So many times we're too busy focused on politics and division and being right. I love the church. Please know this. Sometimes I feel like I beat up on the church. I'm most critical of myself. Would you relate to that? I love the church. It's part of who I am. I am very critical of the church, and you, hopefully you can relate to that. I see the things we do right, but I also see the things that we need to work on. This is a volatile time. Amen? We have hope, though. God is faithful when we are not. God keeps promises when we don't. And God has promised to deliver us through Jesus Christ, and God has. Amen? God will keep the promise to bring the heaven and earth reality to fruition. That's where we're headed. We will still live in the age of threat and destruction and foxes, but we have Jesus Christ who shelters us under his wings, ready to be devoured on our behalf. This is our God and this is our Savior. Put your faith in Christ alone and no one else. What if we just said, I don't need to be right anymore. I don't care what you call me. I don't care what we write in a book and say and believe and think and do. Are we going in the way of death? Or are we going in the way of life? Because that's what matters. 
What if we looked beyond those who stand in front of us who oppose us and we looked past them and said, they're not the problem. I'm the problem and just the world and place is the problem and we need to step back and stop attacking people, seeing them as the enemy. It's never too late to enter into God's righteousness through the gates, is it? Never. Even in our lowest moment, Jesus Christ looks beyond us and our actions to our heart and sees through our shortcomings. Sees a child of God. Sees that in you. So fix your eyes on Christ the King so that nothing leads you astray. And then, our calling is the church. Be a hen to those around you who are vulnerable. To those who feel hopeless, don't have that protection, who feel the weight upon them. Be a beacon of heaven-earth reality. Wrap your wings around them. Give love to your enemies. Like Christ, Tell the foxes of the world, we're here to do our work. You have no power. We're going to complete our task because our God is sovereign, our God is faithful, and our Savior leads us on our way. Amen. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.